What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. Awesome. What's up, Engage? How are you guys doing? All right. Yeah, so like they said, my name is John Pendleton. Um, tonight, I'm going to be preaching on what is the gospel from Romans chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 tonight. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Verse 1 reads, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for per perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you again so much for another night before your word, for another night where we can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you again for another day of breath, another day of life, Father, that we could hear and rejoice in your gospel one more time. Father, I pray that you would give me your words to speak. Father, I pray that you would make those hard hearts soft and make those burdened hearts light and make those weary hearts rejoice tonight, Father. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So growing up, I always wanted to be good at sports. Uh, that never ended up happening. Um, in fact, in high school, I had a nickname. My nickname was Tall for Nothing. So yeah, go ahead and laugh. That, that's the purpose of the joke. I, it's supposed to make you laugh. So I was called tall for nothing. But when I was in middle school, I actually ended up making an AAU basketball team. Now, the team wasn't very good, uh, obviously, since I'm not very good. Uh, but we had one really good player. 
And that one really good player carried us through an entire tournament, and we won a tournament, really all because of this one really good player. And although I had played probably a total of two minutes the entire tournament, I still got a trophy. I still got a trophy with my team's name on it, with my name on it, that I had won an AAU basketball tournament. I didn't really deserve it, but I still got it. And it's really similar to what we see in Romans chapter five tonight. It's really similar to what we see in the gospel. And so this is how I wanna define the gospel from Romans chapter five tonight. The gospel is the good news that by grace through faith, Christ takes upon himself what we deserve and graciously gives us what he has earned. Christ takes upon himself what we deserve and graciously gives us what he has earned. And so let's look at that first point. Christ takes upon himself the punishment that we deserve. Our first point is actually in verse 6 through 11. So, so skip down to verse 6 with me. I want to I highlight how Romans describes us, right, before faith in Christ. Verse 6 says, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So there it is. There's the first adjective. That's the first way we're described before Christ, the ungodly. That's you and that's me. At least at one point, it was. And if we keep reading, we see that Romans says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there we see the second adjective, we were sinners. If we keep going, we see the third one. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And so there's the third one, enemies. So that's you and me. At, at least for the believer, it once was. Ungodly, sinners, enemies. And what does Romans, what, is, what does Paul say, inspired by the Holy Spirit, what does he say that that brings us? Well, he says it brings the wrath of God. Those who would sin against God, those who weren't like God, those who were in rebellion to God, those deserve the wrath of God. But Paul doesn't stop there. And I want us to notice what Paul makes a point to say after he describes us like that. He says that this state of being, the state of being, of, of being ungodly, being a sinner, being an enemy of God, being in rebellion to God, it's exactly this state that we were in when, what does he say? When God pours out his love for us in Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, for people like you and me, for sinners, for 
rebels for the ungodly. In love, God initiates our salvation while we were in sin. And that's really the heart of the gospel. But I don't, I don't want us to stop there. I want us to keep going. What else does Paul say? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So I don't know if you caught that, but not only does Christ's death stop judgment from coming to us, but his righteous life gives us eternal life if we trust in him. Instead of getting what we deserve, the grace of God enters history in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And in love, God takes away our punishment and he lays it on Christ. And all we have to do is have faith in his son. All we must do is repent and believe in Jesus. And this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a sports team or some of you may be looking to go into the military, but one of the ways that uh, coaches and drill instructors, drill sergeants, one of the ways that they punish people is if one person does something wrong, the whole team has to do a lap or the whole squad has to do push-ups. It's, it's really a way of encouraging, I guess, uh, the group dynamic. You all are one team, you're one group. If one person messes up, everybody gets punished. And some of the really smart ones and, and some of the really mean ones, what they'll do is if one person messes up, everybody but them has to face the punishment while they watch. Everybody would take the punishment of one person. And in the gospel, we really see that idea flipped on its head. The gospel says that instead of one person messing up and everyone taking the punishment, which is what Adam did, in the gospel we see that Christ, the one, takes the punishment of the many. We all are sinners and ungodly and in rebellion. And Christ, the one, the only one good, takes our punishment. So we see in the gospel, we see in Romans 5 that instead of dreading death, what does Paul say that we do? He says that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And instead of fearing the judgment of God, we rejoice in his hope. We rejoice in our reconciliation to be made right, to be at peace with him. So I want to ask you a question. If you're here tonight and you're racked with guilt 
And you can't stop thinking about the wrong that you've done. You, you can't stop anticipating the wrong that you will do. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Because the gospel tells us that those who have put their faith in Christ, they have no need to fear, but rather they rejoice in their salvation. And this is the gospel that Christ lived a perfect life that you and I could never live. And instead, we get that life credited to our account. Paul says that your sins are forgiven. Rejoice. Rejoice. Your sins are forgiven. But not only that, I want us to also see that in the gospel, Christ gives us what he has earned. So we just saw that Christ takes the punishment that we deserve, that we earned. But I also want us to see that Christ gives us what he has earned. Let's look at verse 1. Therefore, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we see that the gospel gives us, we, we just looked at what Christ takes. He takes our sin. He takes our rebellion. He takes our punishment. But what do we receive in the gospel? The first thing we see that we receive is peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but if you've ever really had a feud or a bad fight with a really, really close friend, it's hard. Depending on how close you are with them, you might not even be able to go to the same places that you once went because you and this friend don't get along anymore. It's a common theme in all of our storytelling. Harry Potter, the Lord of the Rings, all the main characters have feuds with their best friends. But you see, the difference here is as much as we would want peace with a good friend that, that we've sinned against or have sinned against us, here we see that through the gospel, we have peace with God. So the one who made you and the one for whom you're made the gospel gives us peace with God. The most important relationship that you'll ever have is with God. Will it be a relationship of being his enemy? Or will we find peace with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's a miracle to have peace with God. But let's keep looking. Look what Paul says. Through him, if we keep going, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So not only do we have peace with God, which is amazing, but we also receive 
grace. And, and Romans says that we stand in grace. Imagine yourself in the deep end of the pool with weights on your ankles, standing at the bottom. That's the picture that we see of the grace that we stand in. When, when God looks at us, he, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our rebellion. If we're in Christ, he sees grace. He sees his son, Christ. Because you see, in the gospel later, we find out that when we put our faith in Christ, we're actually united to Christ. Such that together as a church, we make up the body of Christ. So when we're standing in grace, when God's looking at us, when we stand before God, truly he will see Christ, his son. We stand in grace. And this is really sweet. What else does Paul say? He says, we also rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. A Christian is one who hopes in the glory of God. One who looks towards heaven and says, I can't wait to be with God. Through, through the trials and the tribulations and the turbulent life, one who looks to God and says, I can't wait to be with God. But as we keep going, we see that that actually seems kind of obvious for the Christian, right? The Christian hopes in the glory of God. We, we want to see God. But Paul says something else that's kind of strange here that you don't really find anywhere else, especially in our culture, especially in those who don't hope in God. He says that we rejoice, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We, we, sang, the, we sang about that tonight. No matter what happens, God, we rejoice in our sufferings. But why, why, does, why does Romans say that? We rejoice in our sufferings? Well, Paul answers that because he knows that it seems counterintuitive. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Paul says, Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so I'll summarize that this way. As the Holy Spirit keeps us through suffering, it produces endurance. You, you keep going. And then that endurance, after you've kept going for a while, you, really, you realize that you have the character to withstand suffering. It, it produces in you a character. And, and then when you look back over your life as a Christian and you see how the Lord has brought you through so many sufferings, and you see that wow, those sufferings didn't destroy me. They actually built character in me. That 
makes you realize that the gospel is real and powerful. And so when Paul says we rejoice in our sufferings, he's not just saying, he's not just saying, have a Pollyanna look at life, a Pollyanna outlook at life. Well, good, that happened. I just, I just got hit by a car. Good. Hmm. That's great. No, he, he grounds it in a logic that's rooted in the gospel. When you have suffering and you have endurance, then you get character. And that character that the Holy Spirit has wrought in your life makes you know that the gospel is true. Christians who look back on their life rejoice in suffering because they see what God has kept them through and not only kept them, but grown them through. This is why Christians rejoice in suffering. And this is the sweetness of the gospel, that even the things that Satan meant for evil, God makes them good. If you spent any time at all in school, which obviously all of you have, you know that many teachers like group projects. Now, I always was kind of ambivalent about group projects because depending on who was in my group, it really uh, depended on who was in my group of, of how much I would try, honestly. You know, you get that, that, uh, that one guy in your class and he is pumped about this project, you're like, yeah, cruise control right now. <laughs> I'm hitting it. And uh, I saw a, a little meme a couple weeks back and you can actually do this meme with, with, any, uh, with any movie. And, but basically in the meme, it, it, it says on the main picture, over the main uh, character's picture, it says, uh, or at the top it says group project. And then over the main character, it says does 99% of the work. And on the other side character, it says has no idea what's going on. And then the other side character says uh, he's going, says he's going to help, but he doesn't. And then the, the last side character, it says, disappears at the very beginning and doesn't show up until the end. <laughs> and if I'm honest, most of the time, I am the character that has no idea what's going on and uh, says he's going to help, but doesn't. And it's kind of funny and it's interesting when you think about those dynamics of a group project, but it's really similar to what we see in the gospel, isn't it? In the gospel, Christ does all the work. And then you, by faith, get credit for it. Not only do we get credited with Christ's work, but he also takes the punishment that we deserve. Wipes away our guilt, gives us a clean conscience, and gives us the ability to do good works in his name. That would be like if you were in a group project and you had just stolen a car to get to class. And then at the group project that you get credit for, you're also taught how to do all of the work and you're forgiven because the person's car that you stole was the person in your group. So if you're a believer in Jesus, 
and you're wondering, how does the gospel give me hope? What is the gospel? Meditate on the fact that through the gospel, you have peace with God. Not only that, you stand in his grace. All the fear and the anxiety, all of, all of the guilt, it really can vanish when we meditate on the fact that we are standing in grace. We have peace with God. And even the suffering that life inevitably will bring, we can face with hope because God promises that we can rejoice in our sufferings if we look to him and look to his power to keep us through. When God looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness because if we are united to Christ in faith, we are covered by his righteousness. In conclusion, I want to go over one more time for us. As we answer this question in Romans chapter 5, what is the gospel? The gospel is this. The gospel is the fact that by grace through faith in Christ, Christ takes upon himself what we deserve. And he graciously gives us what he has earned. Christ takes upon himself in his death on the cross what we deserve. He's treated like a sinner on the cross. He's treated like an enemy of God. He's treated like he's ungodly, taking the wrath of God. And by grace, through faith, God grants us repentance. And we're given peace with God and access to grace and hope in God and hope in the midst of suffering that results in rejoicing. This is the gospel that the worst things in life are taken from us. Our status as enemies of God, the, the wrath of God, it's taken from us. And the best thing in the universe is given to us. And that's God himself. We hope in this and we rejoice in this and we rejoice even in suffering. So, so I want to ask you this, because many of you have come here tonight and maybe you're just holding on. Maybe you've come here tonight and you've never really held on. Maybe you've never actually trusted Christ Maybe you've never actually turned from your sin and felt the peace of God in your life.
But this is the gospel, that if you would receive it, the work of Christ can be credited to you. That if you put your faith in Christ, he takes your punishment and he puts you in grace. So that now and for forevermore, you rejoice in his hope, even through the sufferings of this life. And that's, so, that's what's so sweet about the gospel. It doesn't promise you that there won't be sufferings. Did you notice that? It doesn't promise you that there won't be sufferings. In fact, it promises you that there will be. But what's the sweetness? That God will keep you and he'll give you the power even to rejoice, even to rejoice in those sufferings. So I pray that you would trust in Christ for the first time tonight, even if you haven't. I pray that if you have trusted in Christ, that you would be set ablaze with the knowledge that he has given you peace with God and that you look forward to a future forever rejoicing in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for your glorious gospel that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, would you awaken those hearts that are dead? Father, would you grant life to those who are dead? And Father, would you make the glory of the gospel so magnificent in their heart and life that with Paul they say, I rejoice in suffering. Father, we ask all these things for your glory, for our hope, and for the knowledge of Christ that sets us free. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.